So this month, we're talking about the four agreements. Last week, we talked about agreement one, be impeccable with your word. How many of you tried being impeccable with your word this week? I think I cursed a little less than normal. (laughs) Part of being impeccable with your word to me just means being in gratitude, being in gratitude for what is, seeing what is instead of what is not. The second agreement is, I know he talks about the first one being completely life-changing, and maybe I just don't do that one well enough, but I'll tell you when my life changed is when I started trying, I'm not that good at it, but man, am I better than I used to be. I started trying to practice the second agreement, which is don't take anything personally. So when we're talking about agreements, um, a little background, we hold agreements, we hold them from birth. That's that we're born that perfect soul that the song talked about, and then things start getting added. Things start getting added. Things like, um, you're not doing it right. Things like, you're not pretty enough. You're not masculine enough. Things like, you're not good at that. Things like, you're ugly, you're fat, you're... Things like the world is a bad place to live in. People will take you. People are mean. People are all the, all the different agreements. And the agreements that just say, you know, you must sit down at the dinner table and don't put your elbows up there. And I mean, all of the agreements, they're not all bad. Part of them are what we take on in order to live in civilized society. We drive on the right-hand side of the road in this country. If we didn't all agree to that, there'd be a problem when we're out in our cars, right? So agreements in and of themselves aren't bad, but they're not who we are. And when we take these, especially these unconscious, unseen, unthought of agreements into, our, into the depth of ourselves and let them rule our lives, let them set up a judge, a judge that says, only, it's only right to drive on the right-hand side of the road. Therefore, everybody in England and Japan and Australia are wrong. (laughs) Have you ever been to one of those countries and gone, why are they doing this? I mean, you know in your head, well, that's the way they do it. That's the agreement they've made. But still, it just seems wrong, doesn't it? So much more intuitive to drive on the right. For us. (laughs) For us, it is. So that's just a, that's a silly example, but all of the things that say, I mean, I'm talking about women should shave their legs. Who decided that? And a lot of people are like, I don't decide that. No, no, I'm, no, I don't agree with that. But you know that you, if you don't agree with that, you might face judgment from other people who think it's, it's just the standard. It's not the standard. People are hairy. That's the way we are. Don't look under my skirt. It's the way we are. So these agreements can, can help us move about in society, but they can also cripple us because we take in these agreements and we write them in what he calls a book of law and we say this is the right and only right way to do things. And we immediately start to judge other people when they're not doing it right, but even more insidiously, we judge ourselves when we're not doing it right. When we don't live up to this impossible standard that we've decided is the way, then we punish ourselves, and we punish ourselves over and over and over again. Don Miguel Ruiz says something very interesting about justice. He says, true justice 
is one mistake, one punishment. How many times do you punish yourself for a single mistake? Running it through your mind over and over and over and over again. And you tell yourself, or, or even something that wasn't a mistake that you made, but something that happened to you. Something terrible happened to me. This person did this to me. I feel bad. Yes. And it happened once. Now, every day when you recall it to mind and say, oh, yeah, that person, oh, he did it to me. He did it to me. Who's punishing you now? It's a very harsh, it's a harsh way to look at things. I, I had the um, ability to, to talk to Don Miguel Ruiz when, um, right after he wrote the book, before he got famous enough that no one could talk to him anymore, um, and, and ask him some of these questions. And one of the things he says in the book, which is really, really difficult, he uses this phrase, who's raping you now? Now, that's not meant to be uncompassionate for people who are having difficulty dealing with something so horrific that happened to them. But what he's saying is, if you don't let it go, it will never be gone. Only you keep in, can keep introducing it to yourself so that the pain goes on and on and on. And only you can make the choice to stop replaying it in your mind to get, I don't know, sometimes you need treatment for PTSD. But to, you can make that agreement to stop replaying it in your mind and stop punishing yourself for something someone else did in the past. Stop carrying around a broken heart from someone who broke it 10 years ago. Your heart is mendable. Let go of that person. That person wasn't meant for you. That's why they're gone. Otherwise, they'd be here. And your heart needs to be able to be open to whoever else is coming into your life. This idea that we get to choose. We get to choose. And so these agreements that we hold, these, these bad agreements, um, these agreements that are harmful, these agreements that set up judgment and, and keep us judging ourselves. Are, at first, we're judged. As children, we are judged we're, as we're taught those agreements. But then we don't know anybody to judge us. We're doing it for ourselves, right? And he likens those harmful agreements to poison in our system. That every time you recall to memory something terrible that happened, you're slowly poisoning yourself. Every time you punish yourself for a mistake that is no longer being made, you poison yourself. Every time you set up judgment on other people, you are poisoning yourself. And if you share that judgment with other people, you are trying to pass your poison onto them. Take that in for a minute. We don't like feeling the poison in our system. We might not be aware of it, but we know what it feels like. That's why it feels good to judge others. That's why it feels good to judge others because, well, I'm going to take some of this poison that makes me feel bad about me and I'm going to put it on them. I'm not that bad or I don't do that. Years ago, I, I'd like to think that I stop, that I will forever stop arguing with street preachers, but I'm not completely over it yet. Years ago, we were in downtown Fort Worth and there was this guy preaching on the street corners and his little tiny son was holding up a big sign that said that had had these words on it and it had fire it had flames very beautifully 
um, drawn and colored in that were coming out of the words, sodomy is sin. I was like, oh, what does that even, <laughs> on the street, what is that about? And then I realized the pride parade was the next day. And there were a lot of people who had come in and staying in the downtown hotels for that. And so he was actually um, targeting people with his poison. Not only that, he had his little son with him, helping him. And I thought, please, God, don't let that son be gay, or he is going to be so not okay unless he gets some real, real help. He's going to be not okay anyway unless he gets some real, real help. So I walked up and I asked the kid, I said, how old are you? He said, nine. I said, do you know what sodomy is? He said, yes, ma'am. I said, why do you know what sodomy is when you're nine? He said, my dad told me. Okay. So I talked to the, I went up to the father and said, so I'm, I'm not sure if you read the same Bible I do, but what I heard is that Jesus didn't say sodomy is sin. Jesus said, judge not lest ye be judged. Get the log out of your own eye before you look at the speck in your neighbors. And how are you to decide this is, I mean, it's, there's no even, not even anywhere to start. But when I argue with street preachers, I use the Bible because that's their language. So I started in this, judge not lest ye be judged. And then he started in with this, well, I don't, but I, I can judge that because I don't do that. I was like, oh, how about he who is without sin cast the first stone? Are you saying you're sinless? Well, I don't sin that way. Oh, so you get to pick the one sin you're not into? And target other people with it? Finally, Bob pulled me away, maybe by the hair. <laughs> but that is the sign of a person who is so, I mean, it's easy to hate a person like that. It's easy to vilify a person like that. But I did know, even though ooh, it brought up all this anger in me, when I was in my right mind a little later, what I realized is this is a person in horrible pain. He has so much poison inside of him that he can't hold it. He's got to give it to other people. He's given it to his son. He's trying to give it to just innocent passers-by, not even specific people, just whoever happens to be on the street. Oh, my God, what must it be like to live in that kind of darkness, to have that kind of poison in your own self every day? Every time you get up in the morning, there's that poison there. And I realized that although I hated that he was targeting other people and trying to pass on his poison, I hated more that he had this poison and whatever it was that gave it to him. And I was able to have some compassion and to pray for him, to pray for his highest good, which, by the way, includes not doing that anymore. Right? But you see, that's an extreme example. But when we hold poison inside of us, we try to get rid of it by putting it on other people. The things I judge myself most harshly about are the things I notice most in other people when they do them. And I think, well, I might do that, but at least I'm ashamed of it. <laughs> I have the decency to feel bad about it. You're just doing it like you don't even care. <laughs> This is what we do, we're humans. We're so weird and I love us.
This is, this is just the way we are, and we're lovable. We get to choose. When we're trying to give poison to other people to get it out of ourselves, what we have forgotten or never realized is that love is the antidote. You don't have to put the poison somewhere else. When you introduce love into it, it dissolves. Love is the antidote to poison. And when you give love to yourself by being impeccable with your word, right? Truly loving yourself, giving yourself a break. When you love yourself, you dissolve the poison within yourself and you don't feel the need to pass it on to anyone else. Isn't that nice? So let's turn it around. When people do things to you, say things to you, insult you, try to bring you down, judge you, talk about you behind your back, how is that in any way about you? It's not. It's their poison trying to make its way out, and they've just seen you as a target. It's their judgment of themselves coming out at you. And so guess what? You don't have to take anything personally. Even if somebody walks right up to you, bops you in the nose and says, I hate you, and uses your name. I hate you, Jay Stevenson. Boom. You still don't have to take that personally because that has nothing to do with Jay Stevenson and everything to do with the person who did it. Whew. Just take a deep breath right now. Wouldn't that be nice if you just didn't have to take offense anymore? Think of all the time you'd save because you wouldn't have to be strategizing your defense, right? Because when someone offends us, we want to defend ourselves and oftentimes our defense looks like offense. And again, I'll remind you, I, I just really, this gives me food for thought. Every time I think of it, Gandhi said, the first act of war is not the arrow thrown. The first act of war is the arrow returned. So if it comes at you and you just go, you know what? I have complete love for myself and I have compassion for you because obviously you're in pain then there's no war. There's no war anymore. So Eleanor Roosevelt said, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. No one can insult you without your consent. I figured this out at age 10. I was on the playground and I came home that day and my feelings were really hurt and I was crying and my mother asked me why. I was bullied because I was a chunky kid. And uh, she said, what's wrong? I said, you know, when they call me ugly, it doesn't hurt my feelings because I know I'm not ugly. And when they call me stupid, it doesn't hurt my feelings because I know I'm smart. But when they call me fat, I know I am fat and it hurts. I agreed with them, which made me take that hurt into myself. And the deal is they weren't calling me fat because I was fat. I may have been or may not have been. My brother started calling me fat long before I was fat. It was just a thing. It was their way of getting rid of their poison, and I just happened to be a target. Looking back at that, I can have a lot of compassion for that little girl who took that in, but I can also have a lot of compassion for that other kid who was carrying around poison that they had to find 
felt like they had to find somebody to put it on. It was always about that kid. It was never about me. It was never about me. And it took me, I don't know, 30 years to start figuring that out. It was never about me. So when someone does something hurtful to you, when someone gives you the silent treatment, when someone says you're an idiot and I never want to talk to you again, when someone points out something in your character or on your body or in your clothing that's unacceptable, it's not about you. And it can only hurt you if you give your consent, if you say yes to it. And that's the beauty about not taking anything personally, is you don't have to say, no, I'm not taking that from you, right? All you have to do is not say yes. If you don't say yes, the arrows just fly, and you're invincible. Do you get that? If you truly love yourself and understand that you are a perfect creation of a perfect God, and you carry that within you at all times, then you are invincible. No arrows can hurt you. So what if you decide, I'm not taking anything personally? That look that person gave me, what, what? Why are you looking at me like that? Is it something I'm wearing? How many times do you do that? Somebody gives you a look and you start wondering what's wrong with you. What if you just stop that? What if you say, you know, I don't say yes to that. I don't have to say yes to that. I'm okay. I don't give my consent. Not giving your consent is powerful. It's all the power you need, really. You don't even have to fight against it. You just have to not say yes. Viktor Frankl, in his beautiful book, Man's Search for Meaning, talks about this, that the Nazis were trying to dehumanize the people in the concentration camps. And it was their feeling of inhumanity that made them do this. Now, they had power over those people. They had physical power over those people, but they did not have spiritual power over those people, and yes, unless those people agreed. And that's what, when Viktor Frankl survived the concentration camp, and every single member of his family didn't, he came out and he wrote a psychology of love that is still used today because he understood from watching these as an educated man, as a psychologist, when he went in there, from watching all this happen, is that when people said yes to being dehumanized, then they were dehumanized. But when they didn't say yes, their bodies might have been killed, but their spirits were never taken. And yeah, we don't want our bodies killed. We hope that doesn't happen. But if your body's going to be killed, why let your spirit be taken with it? We have that choice. We have that choice to not take it personally because that dehumanization was about those people who knew at some level that they were acting inhuman. And so they were trying to put it on another. So the, there's good news and bad news about this. You don't have to say yes. You don't have to take anything anybody ever says about anything personally because it's always about them and not about you. That means when they compliment you, that's more about them too. <laughs> and that's okay. You can still receive it. You can say thank you and go, 
yeah, you must be feeling good inside and you're sharing that with me. Say thank you about that. Say thank you about that. I learned as an actress many years ago that if I was going to preen over the good press that I got in the newspaper that the critics wrote, that that meant when they wrote something that I didn't like, I had to take that in as well. So I just decided not to take any of it in. It's like, no, I don't believe that. Um, and I'd like to believe that, but... <laughs> You know, and what, what I can do is say, well, I, I believe that that is how you saw it. I believe that that is how you experienced it. And what we know is how we experience life is up to us. And so they were basing it on their experience. And I don't have to take that in. I don't have to take that in. What I do have to do is hold it up to my own, hold whatever it is I am doing up to my own heart and ask is this true of me? Am I doing my best? And if I am, nothing else matters. And if I'm not, then I got some work to do, and it's nobody else's business. And they weren't pointing out that I had work to do because I had work to do. They were pointing out I had work to do because they had work to do. Byron Katie developed this whole amazing, um, she calls it the work, this way of looking at the world and saying, um, here's the shorthand, just like me. When you look at someone else and go, that mean, just like me. So my work is not to explore how mean that person is and try to separate myself from that by deciding he's much meaner than me and let me tell you all the ways why and let me gossip to other people about all the ways why so that we can really agree that he's much meaner than me and than us. What I do is I go, where am I being mean? Doesn't matter if I'm as mean or I do it the same way, where am I mean? Where am I taking advantage of vulnerability? And when I put the focus back on myself, then I grow. And the more I grow, the less I have to take anything personally. The more I believe I can love myself in the face of anything. So hold it up to your heart. No matter what someone says about you, good or bad, it's not true because they say it's true. It's true because you know it's true. So if it's not true, don't accept it as truth. And be careful what you say. When you go to gossip or criticize or judge, and yes, I'm going to hold it up to this, while you're watching the news, are you feeling poison that you're trying to put on that person? Or are you seeing the poison in that person and having compassion and refusing to take it in for yourself? and doing your work to find the places where I might be, you know, I hate hypocrites. I'm a hypocrite. In some way I am. In some ways I am. I must be, or it wouldn't bother me so much. I hate people who are mean. I have meanness in me. My time is much better spent figuring that out for myself because I can never make another person be any different from how they are. Ever. Ever. So, be careful what you say, gossip, criticism, insults. And some practices that you can start to use very practically today is if somebody comes at you with that, you can say either out loud or just within yourself, I'm sorry you feel that way. 
And this is literal. I'm sorry. Oh, bless your heart. I'm sorry that you feel that way. I'm sorry that you feel this poison enough that you want to put it out on me. I'm sorry you feel that way. And you don't have to explain it to them. Oh, I'm sorry, you poor thing. Just know in your own mind, I'm sorry you feel that way. I don't have to feel that way because I know something. I know I get to love myself and I don't have to say yes to that. So I'm sorry you feel that way. Or just don't defend because a defense is always an offense. Just walk away and then pray for that person. Pray for their highest good. This is my prayer for people that I don't like. God, I pray for your highest good to come to this person. Every good and wonderful thing that I want for myself I now ask to be given to this person. And that may sound like I'm just really saintly. But what I know is that I want for myself to evolve and grow and be kind and know love and be loving. So I'm praying, I'm not just praying for them to win the lottery. I'm praying for all of that for them when I say highest good. Just like me, that's a practical thing you can do. And you cannot ever change another person, but you can stop participating. And as Martin Luther King says in that speech, it is amazing how sometimes it will change. It will actually change. There was a guy in high school, still a weird relationship. I mean, I, I still haven't figured this one out, but I had a crush on him. He had a crush on me for whatever reason. We could never get together. And so it started, I'm not sure how it started, but we started just like insulting each other, trading insults, you know, because when you're in high school, that feels like something, you know? And, and then it got worse. We weren't just trading insults with each other. We would like tell other people, yeah, tell David, da, 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 or we would talk about the other person to the other person. Of course, in high school, you don't have to tell them to tell. They're going to come run and tell you as soon as somebody says something bad about you. And it just got to feel so icky. I just got to the point where I was like, how did I get here? I like this guy. And here I am trying to be more and more and more clever and cutting and sarcastic in my remarks about him. And I just made a decision and the next time somebody says, David said, blah, 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 about you, I said, oh, that's a shame because I really like him. I think he's a good person. Actually, I just started telling the truth. I think he's really talented. Hmm, I'm sorry he said that, but I, I think he's a really talented person. I, you know, I really like him. Hmm. And I tell you, it was, I wasn't trying to get him to act different. I was trying to feel better inside myself. But man, within a month, he acted completely different. And I got something about the power of that. There is power in not giving the poison back. And there's even more power in giving love back for poison because love is the only thing that dissolves poison. Now, the other person has to say yes to the love or they can't take it in. That has nothing to do with you. You get to give the love anyway. Whether they take it in is totally up to them. You get to give the love. You get to give the love. And so one more practical technique you can take with you, which I've talked about many times before, is this ho'oponopono technique, this I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. And 
a lot of people in New Thought have a problem with this, I'm sorry. What, I'm sorry, I didn't do anything. If we are all one, we are all contributing to this whole system of creating agreements which try to keep us from knowing the glory of who we are. And so even if I haven't done something personally to you, I can definitely say I'm sorry for all the ways knowingly and unknowingly I participate in perpetuating these agreements that are harmful to the world. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And pray it over and over and over and over again. You don't have to say it to a person. Not directly. You can say it in your mind to that person. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. I love you. It is powerful. If you get up in the morning and just say that prayer ten times and try to say it again before you go to bed at night and try to remember it during the day, I promise there will be a turning in you and you will feel it. Things will be different. Don't take anything personally, but know that you get to love yourself unconditionally because you are the cat's meow. Don't take it from me. Know it for yourself. Thank you. I talked a long time. Figure. Let's, uh, let's make it a short meditation. Just take a deep breath. Let yourself center into where you are right now. And as you breathe, you don't have to breathe in any particular way, but I'd, I invite you to notice your breath. And on every inhale... Visualize that you are taking in love from the divine. And every exhale, you are giving out love from the divine. And through that receiving and giving, and receiving and giving, Love is constantly flowing through you. And you get to say yes. Yes to this love that is freely given to me. And yes, I can release it and give it out freely because I know that when I do so, I am a conduit and can never run out of the love. plugged into a source that is inexhaustible, that is eternal and infinite. And I call it love, or God, or the universe, or divine grace, or Fred, it doesn't matter. Because my human mind can't get around it. I do know is that it is good and it is healing and it is why I'm here to experience that love 
and know that every single thing I've taken on in this human form that doesn't serve me can be healed by that love. And every unconscious thing I have taken on that is that doesn't serve the planet, that doesn't serve my higher purpose of awakening humanity to the one love that we all are is healed only ever but always guaranteed by that inexhaustible flow of love. All I have to do is tap into it. The breath is just coming to me. I don't have to ask for it. And it leaves me when it's time. I don't have to direct it. That's the way the love is. And when I make it a conscious process, then I can dissolve any poison that has been deposited into me by another or that I have manufactured or perpetuated. And I can dissolve any poison that's out there in the world through the majesty and power of this unconditional, eternal, infinite love. And I don't have to understand it and I don't have to know how it happens. I don't even have to believe it. All that's necessary is that I say yes. I allow it. Whatever good, whatever love, whatsoever is honest and true and lovely, allow me to think on those things. Allow me to say yes to them and to allow them to pass through me to others. And in so doing, I lay claim to my own health and joy and peace of mind, happiness, and ability to move about the world, knowing who I am, not causing harm and not taking in harm. this is possible. All of this is mine. All of this is already in motion. And so I say yes. Yes to love. And I simply don't say yes to anything else. That's all. And so it is. Amen.